Talk of the Town. Eve Bakken. Weekday mornings starting at 9 on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 mobile app. Portions of the following program are pre-recorded. Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Super Talk 1270, I'm Steve Bakken. Joining us on the program, of course, like we do each and every week, Lori Hintz from Beck News. You can go to Beck.News. Follow all things Summit Carbon Solutions proposed CO2 pipeline. And uh, some breaking news last Friday, Lori. FIMSA, they've actually at least have the framework for the FIMSA rules we've been all waiting for. And uh, Lori, thanks for coming back on the program. Uh, what's your take of this? This is really interesting, uh, Steve. Uh, FIMSA, according to Ethanol Producer Magazine, they have an article that is titled, FIMSA Delivers Proposed Rule on Carbon Pipeline Safety to White House OMB. So FIMSA, or the Pipeline Hazardous Material Safety Administration, has delivered a rule to the Office of Management and Budget of the White House, and they have given them this, uh, this new rule on carbon pipeline safety. However, and we've been waiting on this for quite some time, However, it is not open to the public yet. So the OMB review marks the final stage before a proposed rule is actually released for public comment. So that is expected to happen sometime in March. Um, I will read a little portion of this. Specifically, the Notice of Proposed Rulemaking, or NPRM, so we can have some more acronyms, acronyms in our lives, um, is expected to amend FEMSA's pipeline safety regulations to adopt revisions that would enhance the safe transportation of carbon dioxide by pipelines to accommodate an anticipated increase in the number of carbon dioxide pipelines and volume of carbon dioxide transported. The NPRM is also expected to include requirements related to emergency preparedness and response for carbon dioxide. And that's what many safety um, concerns uh, would be addressed in this FIMSA ruling. According to information public uh, published by the OMB, the NPRM is currently expected to be released for public comment in March, and additional information is available at the OMB website, they say. So that's big news. So that more... Is, um, that is something we've been waiting on for a very, very long time. Well, and, and you and I had had this conversation. We were kind of thinking it was going to be drug out into the summer, um, which it very well still could be by the time things are in place, because this sounds like a rough draft. Here's here's what we're proposing. Here's the rough draft. And after OMB gets done with it and mocking it up, then the White House is going to have an opportunity to go, yeah, that doesn't work for us, or this does, or, you know, so whether it's true public safety or not, the White House has some influence with this uh, for these CO2 sequester projects and the pipeline safety on this. So um, while this is the framework, this is the rough draft, we still have a ways to go uh, before the rules are actually set in stone. And also it, it is released for public comment, which is going to mean that you've got at least five states worth of landowners and people who are going to want to make public comments on this too. So it is going to be uh, very, it'll be fascinating actually. Oh, it'll be bigger than that. I, I, way more than five states. Cause I'm guessing, you know, cause if you've taken, if you've seen some of the blueprints of where some of these 
CO2 pipeline sequestration projects to get from one place to another. Um, you, you take a look at a pipeline map of the United States, the oil and gas and, and right. natural gas especially. Um, this is getting close. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot more states that are watching what's going on in the upper Midwest with Summit and over in Illinois and some of these other projects. I, I'm sure the people down in Mississippi are probably going to want to chime in on this as well. Um, there's right. So this could be a lengthy process. Um, did they mm-hmm. give any indication of what that public comment period is going to look like? Because I can't see them doing it in less than a month. No, I, I concur. And it, it will be interesting. I have seen articles about new projects popping up in places like Colorado and Wyoming as well. So you were right. It isn't just five states. Yeah, that's just the beginning. And that's just the epicenter of the the. Um, volume of information that I've been getting. But uh, you are exactly right. It will probably not just be a month-long process. I mean, look at how long the IUB in Iowa has had ended up having um, various, various um, public hearings and stuff. It was months and months and months and far longer than they ever expected it to be because there was just a volume of so many people who wanted to weigh in on it. So yes, this will be, this will be a drawn-out process, no question. There are, there are People who have uh, have signed agreements with the the pipeline companies, and they, you know, expected their timeline to be more in 2024. Now it is pushed back uh, for Summit Carbon Solutions to 2025. And I dare say, after these BIMSA things, it may very well be that it it, it pushes it into 2026. I know uh, a lot of landowners just sign it as, oh, it's a pipeline. It was sold as, oh, it's just another pipeline. Okay, I've got a couple pipelines on my property, no big deal, um, until people started looking into the CO2 side of stuff, and yeah, it's a bigger deal than what they thought. I'm wondering if a lot of those easements that were signed, because there is a little push on the backside from someone trying to get this done fast. Um, I'm wondering if there's some timelines or some time constraints on project startup on some of those easements because I would have a hard time believing somebody would just sign an easement that, okay, here's for your potential project um, and it's forever. Um, There's got to be a date on there for at least a startup. At least I would hope landowners looked into that before they signed uh, a blanket easement or just any easement on their property. It's like, okay, but this is for this specific project and there needs to be a start time and when it's going to be completed or you're going to lose that easement. That would just be prudent on a landowner's part. What I'm also hearing from a lot of these other potential projects around some of these other states is they're all kind of sitting back going, okay, what's going to happen in North Dakota and South Dakota and Iowa. And it, it, there's a little bit of a wait and see because there's a lot of attorney's fees. There's a lot of litigation. There's a lot of concern. And I think a lot of these other states and a lot of these other projects in these other states just don't want to go down that road until they have to. Right. I would also suggest to you that, and you're right, with the timelines, things have already um, you know, gone on for some time with this project. It, it actually, the PSC docket, if you look at it, the PSC docket originally is dated October 17th, 2022, and it is now January of 2024. Pushed and, way uh, back, yeah. 
Tell you what, Lori, uh, we're up against a break. When we come back, I want to talk about the PSC and maybe some of that start time to where things are at right now and what's coming up on the PSC docket. We're talking with Lori Hintz, Beck News. You can go to Beck.News if you want to find out all things that are going on with the proposed Summit Carbon Solutions CO2 pipeline uh, running near Bismarck and through Burley and Emmons County and uh, uh, through the state of North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa uh, with that uh, CO2 project. Uh, I'm going to throw Minnesota out just because Minnesota is kind of a collector line at this point, Mm -hmm. so not really a main Mm -hmm. trunk line, but we're going to talk about what that trunk line might look like as well as more and more ethanol plants are popping onto the project. This is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 12 Severs. Super Talk. Talk of the Town on Super Talk. 1270. Super Doc 1270. I'm Steve Bach, along with Lori Hintz from Beck News. You can go to Beck.News for all things Summit Carbon Solutions proposed CO2 pipeline. And, uh, Lori, I want to talk about the PSC because the FIMSA rule, uh, at least the rough draft of that, has gone to OMB for review. Uh, White House will uh, do some mock-ups and pencil some things in there as well. Public comment in March uh, is what we're sort of guessing is going to be the comment period and how long that'll run, who knows. Uh, But Mm -hmm. uh, the Public Service Commission coming back, um, we were talking about the timelines and Public Service Commission uh, original docket date uh, back in 22. Um, Now there's another meeting coming up on the docket on Wednesday uh, at 2 p.m. on the 7th of this month. Uh, Any indication what uh, is going to be discussed at that meeting? Well, certainly. Uh, the North Dakota Public Service Commission in their last meeting um, uh, about a week and a half ago it was on a Friday. And um, this one is on a Wednesday. The North Dakota Public Service Commission has this meeting set for where it expects to do their vote on where, when state rules preempt local ordinances on pipeline zoning issues. So this has been the issue for a while because Burley and Emmons County, as you may or may not know, um, put in some... You know, they did some ordinances that they they passed in those two counties. And Summit Carbon Solutions asserts, of course, that those uh, counties' various ordinances that were passed uh, placed some unreasonable or um, some untenable re- restrictions on where they plan to put the carbon capture pipeline, where it can run. So, therefore, uh, we shall see... This could have some far-reaching uh, implications, if you think about it, also for, for future, uh, for various other uh, pipelines and things of that nature, too. So the meeting is scheduled for Wednesday. It'll be at the Pioneer Room at the State Capitol, uh, beginning at 2 p.m. is the State Capitol. And also, you would be able to also watch the live of the meeting as well from their PSC website. Just go to psc.nd.gov, psc.nd.gov, and so you can see that as well. But I, my, my expectation is that many, many, many landowners will be there uh, in person. They have been there for all, even a work session where there was no public hearing comment made, um, was the room was packed again. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how many people show up for that and it will be likely they they telegraphed at the PSC meeting previously that in their work session that they would they were leaning toward preemption so in my mind unless they get common carrier status then that should fall back on 
those local jurisdictions, those local municipalities, and their zoning ordinances. Um, the magic ticket is sort of that common carrier status. Have you heard any discussions out of PSC as, as far as Summit getting that common carrier status? Because if you go back and listen to some of the language when PSC is spoken, they're assuming they already have common carrier status. And I'm still wondering where that that comment came from saying that they were going to have that because that had to come from a higher power. Uh, I'm guessing the governor's office said, yep, not a problem. We're going to get you common carrier status, uh, which I have a hard time swallowing uh, somebody getting common carrier status as a for-profit business rather than something for the common good. Have no, you heard- I concur. I have. I uh, that is still up in the air. Uh, that is that is an unanswered question. I uh, I agree with you. I'm curious about that as well because common carrier status generally refers to things that are of public use, meaning you know natural gas that people use in their homes or or um, oil or gasoline or or water or electricity. Yeah, water Those sewer lines. Generally concerned. Yeah, those are generally concerned common carrier. So. And it's still that ag to energy shill that they did before the night before a public service commission hearing um, here in Bismarck. That that still resonates in me because that entire language was uh, well as a common carrier, as a common carrier, as a common. That that was the talking point for for Summit and uh, Wade Boshanes from uh, Summit Carbon Solutions. That that was the talking point was. For me, it sounded like they already assumed that they had common carrier status, which, again, somebody had to tell them that. And I, I'm pointing fingers at the governor's office. That's the only place that, with a, enough authority to be able to do that, in my mind. Um, as far as Public Service Commission and uh, um, the PSC, I'm, I'm kind of curious what you think the FIMSA proposed rule, which is now at the OMB for review, and then the public comment, which is supposed to come out in March, plays into some of the decision-making from the PSC. Because a lot of people have been saying and telling the Public Service Commission, just slow down a little bit because we need to see what comes out of FIMSA. So have you heard anything that, or any thoughts on how those two timelines might be connected? Well, it seems to me that when we had hearings um, originally with the original uh, application before it was denied unanimously, uh, it seems to me that during those hearings, that was a very large topic of discussion at those hearings by um, various people in in the different uh, localities where they had their, their public service commission hearings across the state. And so... It's kind of gone silent because everybody has been waiting so long for the FIMSA regulations to come out and explain and then also um, lend itself to what rulemaking will be regarding safety things. And and they said specifically in the FIMSA um, article that I was referring to in an earlier segment that, that it has to do with safety issues. Uh, including preparedness, emergency preparedness, and response for carbon dioxide. And that is um, the reason that these rules are even coming out in the first place was because of the Satarsha, Mississippi um, 2020 accident that occurred. And they realized that they were probably woefully uh, unprepared 
for something of this nature because it is kind of a, it's a completely different thing. It is not like a normal pipeline leakage. It's not the same concept. Now, to complicate matters, we now know that, um, in, in the case people have not yet heard, that, that uh, Poet is now into this into this mix. And we'll talk about that in a future segment, I'm assuming here. But that is, that's going to, that's going to make things a little bit different. Things are, are constantly changing with this project and increasing in size and volume and nature as we go along. We're talking with Lori Hintz of Beck News. You can go to beck.news and follow all things Cometh Summit Carbon Solutions proposed CO2 pipeline. And the size of that pipeline might be an issue. You mentioned Poet. We'll get into that next. This is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Follow us on, like us on Facebook. Super Talk 1270. Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. 1270, you're tuned to Talk of the Town. I'm Steve Bakken along with Lori Hintz from Beck News. You go to Beck.News. All things Summit Carbon Solutions proposed CO2 pipeline if you need information. And uh, uh, you mentioned Summit. Uh, they're bringing more and more Poet, uh, the latest ethanol company uh, that is hopping on board the Summit Carbon Solutions proposed CO2 pipeline project. So last Monday, January 29th, a, a um, press release was released by Summit Carbon Solutions that is titled Poet and Summit Carbon Solutions Announced Carbon Capture Partnership. And if you look on the Summit Carbon Solutions website, you can see now their number of ethanol plants has risen to 51. Holy. For, um, on the, su- on the summit line. 30 the- and 31 and 32 and at that point, but it has jumped up with the addition of 17 poet plants. And uh, in a major step, this is this is the um, article that they have on their website. It says, in a major step forward for the future of agriculture and biofuels, uh, biofuels, Poet and Summit Carbon Solutions announced a groundbreaking partnership connecting the world's largest biofuel producer with the world's largest carbon capture and storage project. This collaboration brings together two entities, both founded upon creating new agricultural markets and supporting rural communities to capture the value of the biogenic CO2 from the bioethanol production process. Now, we, we suspected that this was happening as soon as Navigator, the Navigator CO2 pipeline project was uh, rejected and shut down, and they decided to stop doing it. Um, uh, we expected that there would be a jump in the numbers, but that, that was a, a bit on the shocking side to see that number jump from 30-some to, to 51. Then the partnership, according to this article, uh, strategically expands the carbon opportunity across the Midwest by incorporating POET's 12 facilities in Iowa and five facilities in South Dakota into the summit project. So in addition to the other ones uh, across the five states, and by the way, if you are due to the CO2 pipeline story, you will note that in North Dakota we have only one ethanol plant that will be supplying ethanol to this uh, trunk line that will be sequestered, um, proposed sequestration north and west of Bismarck in the Oliver and Mercer County areas. So uh, POET is excited to partner with Summit Carbon Solutions, they say, and this historic project, said Jeff Royne, poet, founder, and CEO, as the world seeks low-carbon energy solutions, carbon capture ensures that ag-based biofuels will remain competitive 
for decades to come. This is a tremendous opportunity to bring value to farmers, bioethanol producers, and rural communities and counties and participating states. And I believe it will unleash even more opportunities for ag and bioprocessing in the future, end quote. So I have two questions, uh, so, Lori, this, this, sure. this, and this comes back to the public safety side of stuff. So Summit Carbon Solution is proposing a CO2 pipeline, and what is the size of that pipe? Because we're at the end, which means as you're collecting and gathering more CO2, the diameter of the pipe, by the time it gets to the bismarck Burley County area and into Oliver and the end user... Uh, where it's going to be sequestered, that pipeline increases. Has there been any discussion? Because if they're going to bring, if they're up to 51 ethanol plants now, that means they're looking at more CO2 coming through that pipeline. The only way you do that is either A, increase pressure, or B, increase diameter of the pipe. Has there been any discussion that you've heard of, either through the PSC or... Uh, through Summit saying that, hey, we're, we're going to put a bigger pipe in the ground or we're going to increase the pressure on that pipe that's currently going to be put in the ground? Because if you're going to have 51 ethanol plants on this pipeline, that's the only two ways you increase flow. That is, that's, that's a big question in the minds of, of many people, particularly around the Bismarck and Mantan areas, because the pipeline is slated to actually surround most of the city. So that's a great question. The current pipeline siting size around the trunk line uh, uh, is reportedly 24 inches in diameter. So that is a great question. I am looking and scouring right now. There is a get the facts about some of carbon solutions link on on their page. And I'm looking at the safety portion of it, and they talk about the um, maintaining operations center in Ames, Iowa, too, but there is, I, I still have yet to find any information about the size of the, of the trunk line at this point. Well, um, one, of, one of my fears is the fact that, okay, if they were to get okayed by the Public Service Commission, it's a real simple process to go, hey, we need to upsize a line. Because if they had common carrier status, then upsizing a line is a pretty simple process. That's why that common carrier status is so vitally important. Right. So I'm looking here. I'm still scouring it, uh, too. But it it does mention, interestingly, setbacks uh, in the safety section. It does mention wells um, on on the pipeline. It does mention things that SIMSA requires, it talks about SIMSA requires uh, they're, they're placed three feet underground. SIMSA requires non-destructive testing of 10% of the welds connecting the pipeline. SIMSA requires that any pipeline must have at least a one-foot clearance from the pipe and other underground structures. Carbon, uh, Summit Carbon Solutions will have two feet as their standard practice, with the exception of drain tile. Uh, Summit Carbon selects a solution selected a route that maximizes distance from structures, especially dwellings. Uh, FIMSA requires 50-foot setbacks from existing dwellings. Uh, if you have a 24-inch pipeline and uh, uh, 2,200 PSIG, I don't know that 50 feet is going to do you much good. Um, the Summit Carbon Solutions maintains uh, will maintain an operations center in Ames, Iowa, and then it talks about 
monitoring 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days. So I'm just going through this, but I don't, do not see anything about uh, that maybe they have uh, moved these um, the size of the of the pipeline yet. So nothing on their on their docket here that I see. Uh, you mentioned uh, Oliver County at one point, and uh, they had a meeting uh, a couple weeks back uh, that was tabled. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's some question on whether or not there's some county planning and zoning members that should be recusing themselves. Part of the reason I believe they tabled it. Have you heard when that was going to be rescheduled? I have not. I have not. Unfortunately, I cannot report on that uh, equivocally. And unfortunately, I've also been gone for a week too, so I'm, I'm catching <laughs> up as much as I can here too. So, uh, but it is it is uh, it is incumbent on those localities to make their you know their decisions on the local level, and it, it is important that we maintain some local control in this whole uh, this whole project, if you will, just simply because those people who are going to be affected by these pipeline rules and regulations should be able to have a say in it. And then that is, that is what occurs at the local and the township level as well. Uh, Croft Township also had a meeting uh, a couple of weeks ago as well, where they decided they were going to uh, affirm that they were in favor of the Burley County ordinances, which looks like they will soon be superseded. We'll see on Wednesday. We'll be able to tell you next week how that goes. Lori Hans, back news. Uh, Lori, if people want to find out uh, about Summit Carbon Solutions proposed CO2 pipeline on the Beck News website, where do they go? Go to our website, which is Beck.news. It is B-E-K. There is no C. B-E-K stands for Burley, Emmons, and Kidder Counties in North Dakota. We are a cooperative. And so we are Beck.news. And then search for the black icon with white letters that says Capturing America's Heartland CO2 Pipeline. All things CO2 Pipeline in our latest stories that can all be found right there. Lori Hintz, Beck News. Thanks for coming on. You bet. See you soon. This is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 12. Azure. Super Talk. Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Good Wednesday morning. You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Bach, and coming up in just a little bit, we'll talk with Jason Speeds at, at the bottom of the hour. And, uh, of course, this is a wattage Wednesday. Uh, also, Sarah Stogger coming up next hour. Andy Ani, we're going to get to her as well, talking a little social media and how that pertains uh, next hour. Uh, also, Jake Milney, we're going to talk about some wind turbines and uh, what that looks like with some of those assets when they're expired and what's in the landfills. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up. Uh, at 10 o'clock. In the meantime, uh, one of the big events that takes place around the Bismarck-Mandan area, right over the... Right down the road over in New Salem, North Dakota, it's ND Country Fest, and it is a great time. It's actually turned into um, a big, big event for uh, not only the communities around uh, New Salem, but... uh, uh, the region as well. A lot of people travel for ND Country Fest because the lineup is absolutely great. Joining us uh, from ND Country Fest, Luke Schaefer. Uh, Luke, uh, how you doing, my friend? Hey, good, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the backstory because um, you know a lot of people had had conversations for years and years and years about uh, why is there not a uh, an avenue for country music fans because people basically from here uh, and all over western North Dakota had to travel to WeFest. A lot of people were familiar with WeFest over in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. And uh, it, it took a while. There were a few iterations of some different rock festivals and 
things around North Dakota, but nothing really stuck, and there wasn't anything for that that country appetite that we've got here in North Dakota. And ND Country Fest comes along in New Salem, in the shadows of New Salem Sioux, and uh, it is growing. And that is... Um, something that other festivals and other shows have not done. So what's the secret sauce? What's the formula? And, and give a little backstory on, on ND Country Fest and how we got it here in North Dakota. Well, the backstory is, right, like I'm from, I grew up in Bismarck, you know, right there, right in the back, the back, uh, the backwoods of the old, you know, of the area, <clears throat> excuse me, so it was growing up there and all my friends are from there. My families are from, you know, from Bismarck, Mandan area and the whole state, you know, I'm a St. Mary's grad, NDSU grad, all that good stuff. And, um, it was just one of those things. Like why, why do all of our people in North Dakota, why do they have to travel out for some great entertainment? And it was just one of those things. Like, why can't this exist in North Dakota? And then it's like, why? Where should we put it? Well, let's put it where the beacon off the interstate, right? The interstate's great. You know, everybody knows. Everybody knows when they drive through through North Dakota where the interstate is, and then they know where the cow is. So it's like, why not put it underneath the uh, big Salem Sioux? Because even if you're from Washington or if you're from Wisconsin or if you're driving through, you're like, oh yeah, I know where that big cow is. <laughs> but that was the thing. It was like, why can't this exist? And why do our people? North Dakota, why do they have to travel outside of the state to get great entertainment in a festival setting? And for sure, country music, it's country, country through and through. So when you're talking about uh, building a festival, because you mentioned mm-hmm. New Salem Sioux, and, and everybody knows that landmark, but the, mm-hmm. the property below New Salem Sioux is also kind of key to that, because if you're going to build out a festival, you have to have the camping, you have to have room to grow into, and I, I've seen that with some of the other venues in North Dakota where uh, they just haven't had the room to grow, so it kind of tails off and and not around anymore. Um, tell us about the thought process of picking that location and then knowing that you've got room to grow into, you know, maybe someday it is a, a Wee Fest or a Cheyenne Frontier Days or one of those larger premier events, but you got to have the room to grow into that. Well, and I don't know if a lot of listeners already already know or not, but we did 65,000 people last year at our show. So it's, it's big. And we pulled from 40 different states and we pulled from, I think it's now three to four different provinces in Canada. So we're pulling people from all over the United States. So it's not... It's not just North Dakota that that that's uh, you know we're going into our seventh seventh uh, year, but uh, we are becoming a definite definite national name, uh, especially around the country music tour and scene, and the artists know us and the booking agencies know us, so it is quite quite big and it's growing and it grows at a it's growing at a rate right now. The last the last four years it's been growing at a rate of thirty percent, and I can tell you right now. Where we're where we sit today over last year is we're at a rate at forty percent this year over last year, which is amazing. Now to answer your question, yeah, I mean, the community was great. You know, everybody had their questions, right? The community was like, "Well, what are you going to do? Why are you? Why do you want to put it here? You know, it'll never. You know." And then there's other, you know, the the naysayers, not necessarily the community, but just in general, of like that'll never work. It, it, people tried this up in 
in this area of North Dakota and they tried this over there and it only lasted two years. That only lasted three years. You're only going to make it one year and that's it and whatnot. But knowing, knowing a couple things, right? There was an appetite for it. There's demand for it because it's country music and that never existed before in a festival setting, but you're right to go ahead and pick a place where you can expand. Well, shoot in New Salem, if you get on top of the cow, you can see people driving in, driving out from Bismarck and driving back into Bismarck, right? It's so flat, right? There's room for it everywhere, but <laughs> doing the research on it, right? Doing the research on it and talking to the local landowners too, saying, Hey, this is what, this is what I'm looking to do. What do you think? If it does expand and we do need camping, you know, would you be, would you consider, you know, a partnership to go ahead and, and use that, that land that's closed? Because if it does get to a point where we need that land, would you be interested in, in talking? And they're, they're all like, yeah, we're, we're here to support it. We think it'd be good for not only the community of East Salem, but they were like, you know, it's a great thing for the state. And a lot of those folks there obviously do more than, than just their, uh, that are just landowners in New Salem. A lot of those folks do a lot of things around the state too. So they're like, they're all in. Uh, they're like, best of luck and see what happens. And the first year it was like two nights of camping and we just needed the, just needed the camping grounds that was in the uh, Morton County Fairgrounds area. And, uh, and we did one night of music, which was Michael Ray was our headliner. He had the number one song in country music at the time. 4,000 people show up for that for that one day. And it was like, I think we got something here. And now here we are, you know, years later. And now we're four days of country music, four nights of camping, 65,000 people. And it's just blown up. And just the support of the whole, you know, initially, initially right, it's that Bismarck Mandan, New Salem, that 100-mile radius where it supported the first two years, and then it just blew up across the whole state. And then it, then and now it's gone across the whole United States. Like, if you look at, we look at our dot map every every week on our ticket sales, the dot map meaning where people, zip codes of where people are purchasing from. And we're just amazed every, every single week where actually more dots pop up around the country. And then especially, like I said, too, into Canada. We're talking with Luke Schaefer, Indy Country Fest, and, uh, you know, you've grown into North Dakota's largest camping event. Uh, you're going from one stage to multiple stages. We'll talk about that and the lineup this year when we come back. And then something else you're working on uh, concerning Tracy Bird. People may uh, be familiar with that name as well. This is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. This is the Pet Minute. I'm Steve Dale. In the U.S., the vast majority of pet birds are bred for captivity, not wild-caught. That's not true everywhere, and wild species are paying a price. Next. Beringer Ingelheim Animal Health wants you to know that your dog can be at risk of heart disease. By screening for a heart murmur, abnormal heart rhythm, or heart enlargement, your veterinarian will be able to diagnose and possibly treat these signs earlier. There are medications that can help delay the onset of congestive heart failure or manage the symptoms of heart failure once diagnosed. Talk with your veterinarian to see if your dog is at risk and schedule that ever-important annual exam. Early detection is best. A new study reveals that bird species' extinction rates are accelerating. Not only would we miss their songs, many birds eat insects we don't want and are pollinators. The biggest issues are habitat destruction and climate change contributing to the demise of many species. For the Pet Minute, I'm Steve Dale. 
The Ramsey Show. How much are you paying a month in childcare? Tuition for the daycare we use is twenty-five thousand per kid. Then we pay extra for early care and aftercare. Our childcare costs are about eighty thousand a year. They're not even in school, and you're already paying twenty-five thousand a head. I mean, are they going to Harvard? We're going to take out student loans for the four-year-old. Wow. There's gold in those daycare <laughs> The Ramsey Show, starting at five p.m. weekdays on Super Talk twelve seventy. Hello, North Dakota. Joe Giganti, host of the regular Joe Show, now heard weeknights 9 to midnight here on Super Talk 1270. Together we'll tackle the hottest topics, be it politics, entertainment, or the culture, unapologetically through the lens of true conservatism, all while remembering to laugh and have a little bit of fun. You know, live life boldly. The regular Joe Show, weekday evening starting at 9 on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 mobile app. Open Water Marine and Tuffy Boats are proud to bring you the Mike Peluso Outdoors Fishing Report. Tuffy Boats have a storied history and are versatile for any body of water that you choose to fish. The affordable, no-nonsense, rugged, and durable design is why the Tuffy is the boat of choice for Mike Peluso Outdoors. Open Water Marine is pleased to bring you both the Mike Peluso Outdoors Fishing Report and Tuffy Boats. Join us every Friday between 4 and 5 on this station for the Open Water Marine Mike Peluso Outdoors Fishing Report. Talk of the Town, weekday morning starting at 9 on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 mobile app. AM Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union Studio. That. News, talk, and sports for Bismarck Mandan. Super Talk 1270. Portions of the following program are pre recorded. Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Bakken. We're talking with Luke Schaefer, Indy Country Fest. And uh, from its humble beginnings to now multiple stages, and, and I mean multiple, multiple stages, uh, we're talking with Luke Schaefer. And Luke, uh, you guys have a main stage, secondary stage, Frontier Village, um, the NDCF main stage, nightly party. Uh, it, it, you guys have got it all <laughs> going on out at New Salem. <laughs> You know, when you when we say music festival, we really mean music festival. All the pieces. <laughs> we, <laughs> right. Literally, you can show up and you can have dang near 14 hours straight of live music from when you get there all the way until, you know, when we shut down at about 2 a.m. So there's music all the way across the board. So, like, obviously our main stage, which has our main artist, this opens up when we call our, our music festival bowl. I mean, this year, it's, a, it's the biggest lineup we've ever had, you know, with Dirks Bentley, Riley Green, Michael Ray, Clint Black, Easton Corbin, Diamond Rio, Leroy Parnell, Pam Tillis, Ned Ledoux, the War Hippies, the list goes on and on and on. And you can check, we'll end up doing off of that main stage, roughly about 23 artists just off of the main stage in four days. But then we also have, <clears throat> every night, we have our nightly after party as soon as the main stage is done we have another stage that's in our our big huge tent in the back of the bowl area and that has our 
DJ Do, which DJ Do is our DJ that runs all the way from with our after party all the way from 1230 all the way till 2 a.m. He's also our MC of the whole show. But Do is a great friend of mine. I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with Phoenix and the Phoenix Open or the Houston Rodeo or the NFR. They've ever been to those other events. He's that guy. He's from Phoenix. Actually, he's from Tucson. He's a great friend, and he does a great job with our after parties and emceeing. So that takes you all the way till 2 a.m. But also there's another secondary stage where we do national artists up and comers every day from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock. And there's a whole other set of uh, up-and-comer Nashville artists that play that stage for that hour, those hours. And then we have another stage that we call out in Frontier Village, which is in our Frontier Campground, which we're going to be it's new this year to 2024, is what we call our Fest Day Live. A lot of our fans, they know that we do a lot of social media and social media lives, and we appreciate all of you guys watching those. But we're going to come to the crowd, in the crowd, on stage, right there in the village, We'll be doing all kinds of interactions and with the music behind it out there on that stage, too. So, you know, 14 hours easy of music every single day, live music. You know, Luke, that's one of the things with this festival, because you touch all the bases. You know, Dirk Bentley, the big headliners, Clint Black, uh, one of the staples when I first got into country music back in the 90s. And, and I remember when Clint Black used to rock, and he rocked hard. Uh, Pam Tillis, uh, you, you cover the bases for absolutely everybody. And one of the things I'm really excited about is that up-and-coming stage, because I used to work in some space with new artists and and that energy that comes from new artists that are just looking for the exposure and they're not quite there yet. They haven't quite hit, but they're right on the cusp. And then the ability for fans to go, Hey, I saw them before they were that big famous artist. It's like, I saw Taylor Swift before Taylor Swift was Taylor Swift. You know, that's a cool part of that. You guys provide that. Exactly. And that's a great part of the experience for our folks. Like you said, like I, I saw Taylor Swift she was on the secondary stage at such and such. And, and we like it. We got a great lineup for that too. We haven't released it, but I'll give you one right now that we're going to put out there is Taylor Austin die. She's on our, on our main stage too, but she'll be running the secondary stage uh, one, one day, but it's uh, she's a twist between Gretchen Wilson and Miranda Lambert and, and her voice and her stage presence. It's just a matter of time for her. And she has a great kind of country rock edge to her. And uh, when you hear her and you see her live, it's like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is it. Just a matter of time. And that's fun because, too, like, like you know, Steve, it's like when those secondary stages, you're right there. I mean, it doesn't get any more up and close and personal uh, than that. And, our, and those, are, those are the ones you saw them before, before they were, you know, before they were. You know, uh it- it's a long way before ND Country Fest, but some of those ticket packages you guys have, and, and I know the camping goes fast as well, but uh, the VIP weekend admissions, you're almost out of those. We are. You know, there's literally less than 20 VIP weekend passes for the festival, and those go fast, and this is the fastest that's ever gone uh, for us this year. Usually they always, they have always sold out. Last three years they've sold out, but this is the soonest. Uh, they have gone. So if you want to go VIP this year, excuse me, <clears throat> definitely get on and ndcountryfest.com and grab those VIP tickets now. We still do have, a lot of people do ask about payment plans, and we do have that. So when you do go on our ticket site, instead of hitting buy tickets, hit reserve, and then it'll load it up into the uh, into the payment plan for you. 
Uh, so what is that website? It's ndcountryfest.com and just hit tickets and then it'll take you right to it. Pretty simple. I, I wanted to give you a couple minutes to talk about something that uh, you're kind of expanding into some other areas a little bit. Um, tell us about the Your Town Tour. So the Your Town Tour, just a quick history of that, was it was about in 2018. Um, it is uh, my partner in this is the other or the other owner partner, um, Brandon Ralph. We were like, man, we kind of we have backgrounds of sports, you know, sports and coaching and recruiting and playing and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, man, I think we need to go out and probably just go on like drive around and talk to people in all these small towns around North Dakota and let them know what North Indy Country Fest is about and what we do and what we're doing and what the future looks like and ask them, literally ask them who they'd like to see uh, at the at Indy Country Fest, you know, for as far as artists. So we jumped in a car and we made a map and we went around and we went to dang near the first year. We went to dang near every little small town, went to the cafes, went to the restaurants and the big towns, Bismarck, Faro, James Dickinson, all that kind of stuff, handed out posters, handed out magnets, talked to everybody. And uh, that was the first year and it went so well. And then we video it with Facebook lives all the way through. And then all of a sudden there's people watching us and tracking us and meeting us at Hey, meet me at this cafe in New Leipzig or this this place in Wishick, you know, and so on and so on. And now that thing has grown to where now the second year that we had done it, we're like, we should do some concerts with it on some of these stops. But now that's grown to where <clears throat> now we have over like 2 million views and engagements on social media while we're driving around the whole state. But now we have 10 different, now it's grown not to just the North Dakota. We have 10 different concerts uh, around the whole Midwest with the Your Town Tour. And that headliner is with Tracy Bird. And now we go, we have, we have six shows in North Dakota. We have three shows in South Dakota. We got one show in Omaha, Nebraska. And then we have one show in Wyoming. And then now there's other venues uh, in other states, especially Colorado. Uh, that we had we had talked about earlier about that off offline, but it was uh, we'll probably expand into Colorado and possibly Arizona in 2025. So this thing it gets us out there. We go in and we put these shows on. We're in front of these communities. A great show. Usually they're smaller venues and a big name, and it's a great experience for everybody. And it gets the ND Country Fest uh, name out there and brand out there. And a lot of times, what happens as soon as we put these shows on, say like in Gillette, Wyoming. A lot of folks will purchase our tickets and come to the show in July to the festival, and and it's really great for us. And we come out and see everybody, and we talk to everybody, and we're not behind uh, we're not behind any any type of uh, desk or anything like that or nothing. We're out and we're out and about, and that's what we love to do is talk to the people and be in front of the people and be in front of our guests and and potentially new guests. Looking, looking forward to uh, ND Country Fest coming up again this year. It is going to be a great time growing every year out at New Salem, uh, camping, four days of country music, uh, different stages, different atmospheres, different genres of country music, which is really a cool part as well. A lot for everybody. Uh, also, the uh, Your Town Tour with Tracy Bird. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing if you uh, got a little watermelon crawl in you. 
<laughs> I, all day long. I, I, all day long. We watermelon crawling all across the Midwest. <laughs> Perfect, Luke. Uh, once again, uh, people want to find out more information, ndcountryfest.com for the Your Town Tour or ND Country Fest, those VIP packages. You can actually put them on a payment plan, but uh, those are going extremely fast. Luke, uh, looking forward to another update. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me, and uh, we look forward to to the future with you guys, too. Luke Schaefer, Andy Country Fest, coming up in the very near future. Also, the Your Town Tour with Tracy Bird. This is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Super Talk. Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Bach, along with Brad Ock of Runnings. And Bradley, you guys just had a... A really busy week and a busy weekend, of course, uh, all the customer appreciation stuff that took place last week, and uh, how'd that go for you? You busy? Yeah, it was great. It was nice to see some traffic coming into the store again. Uh, this is, is kind of like our, our transition between... Seniors, first responders. Holidays, I mean, yeah, you, guys you know, like we're... Everybody, military. It, it's, a, it's a good time to bring people in and talk to the customers, and, you know, we had a great turnout. Of course, we had... We had some people coming in on different days that weren't the assigned day, but we don't care. And we tell all the associates every morning at the meeting, I don't care when the fire department guy comes in. If he comes in on a Tuesday, just honor it. We don't care. It's like, this is the yeah, week. They got crazy schedules. So Yes. Yep. You know what? Same health care was on Friday. I mean, they can't just come in on a Friday. So some came in over the weekend. That's cool. We just want to make sure we took care of them. And thank Well, there were a lot of people in, in town uh, because of the uh, PRCA Right. You guys you know, had the bull riders too. You were sponsoring. Yeah, this year. we were the sponsors of the bull riders this year, or the bullfighters this year. And uh it was cool. It was uh it was a local kid, Leighton Woodbury, uh down from Carson. Carson, yeah. Yeah, he just he just had that big event down in uh down in Vegas. It was like the world championship bullfighters. Yeah, that would be the NFR. There you the go. NFR. See, I'm learning all <laughs> this learning stuff. Right. You know, I uh, I sold clothes for so many years, right? I got to get in on this. Which is part of the reason why you're always well-dressed. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, it was really cool. I got to go down there and meet the guys. The other guy this year was uh, Richard Ratley was back. Uh, we were able to sponsor him last year as well, which is cool. He's down in Kansas. So uh, he's from Hutchinson, Kansas. And I had worked a few years for J.C. Penney's down in uh, Wichita, Kansas. So very familiar with Not the area. Not far away. Yep. So I got to talk to him a little bit last night or Saturday night, too. And, um, of course, it was always nice to see Leighton out there and supporting local local guys right here and, and having success in what he's doing. So with the sponsorship, because that's one of the things. That, so I know Runnings is a big footprint in uh, farm and ranch and supporting events like that. But uh, how cognizant are you guys to try to find that that local talent and find that local piece so you can sponsor them specifically? You know, it, it's a lot of word of mouth stuff. We try really hard to, if I have an associate come up and say, hey, you got to check this out. Uh, a good example actually would be Layton. You know, our, our assistant manager, uh, same town, friends on Facebook, knows him and very aware of what he was going through. Hey, we need to, we need to support this event. They're doing a fundraiser. What, like, what can we do to send him to Vegas and support him during this? So it's really great because now the store team is very willing to be like, Hey, this is so-and-so they're doing this. We got to support it. We have a couple 4-H kids who work for us at the store. So they, we've got to do a couple 4-H fundraisers in the store this year, uh, which piggybacked at being out and present at the, like the, 
their premium sales, but also having someone in the store being like, well, why can't we do that here? I'm like, do it. Do it. Why not? Absolutely. So it's cool to see the store supports it, the associates support it. And if they see someone local where they can do something to support the organization, we're all in. You know, just like our full-timers, they're all invited to join a local club or organization and runnings will pay their dues for that. So we have some who have joined Pheasants Forever and we pay those dues for them. And all they got to do is just come to me and say they want to join this group or club and we'll just do the paperwork and pay the dues for them. Well, the cool part is, too, because you've got a lot of part-time employees mm-hmm. and they're usually already members of a club or an organization. So how often do they come to you and go, hey, uh, we're doing this. Can you help out? Yeah, we get a lot of fundraising opportunities to do them. You know, we attract from a younger side, we do a, tend to attract an egg uh, an egg group out of school, like your 4-Hers, uh, who grew up knowing runnings or shopping at runnings, and eventually they will start to work here for us. And you find pet lovers who have always purchased their pet food, pet food for us growing up. So when the time comes to get a job, they're in our store every month anyways buying pet food. They know the product line. They know the department. Yeah, that's so then their they favorite. jump in and apply, and then after that, it's word of mouth. We get a lot. We do a lot of referral-based hiring. You know, you mentioned the clothing side of stuff. You know what I have not seen for sale are those PRCA bullfighter runnings jerseys. Those jerseys. Those are awesome, man. Those are cool. They did such a good job. You should be selling those for a little bit of a, hey, we're going to help fundraise here and sell those. A little Uh, little kickback to the the athletes. Yeah, you know, uh, they had uh, Chad Berger, the Bulls, and that is who I had worked with a little bit on some of that. Um, He actually, whoever designed those took all of our logos and drop them onto one jersey. And I tell you what, it looks fantastic. The big circle R, kind of like a See, side normally piece. you would think it was like, okay, running's threw up. But no, it look, it, they look cool. It looks so good. I'm very pleased. It was super cool. I you have one. sell those in the store. I have one in my office. I bet you do. It's, it's super cool. Yeah, they put, uh, they made us one, they put Bismarck on the back. So did me. they find one big enough for you, or they have to pull it off the you bowl? You know, it's a, it's a little snug. They pulled it off the bowl? Yeah, and, okay, <laughs> yeah it, it, it needs to stretch out <laughs> if I'm going to wear it. Uh, it's, you know, it could be a really good base layer. Uh, again, you need to sell those in the store yes. that'd be a very cool piece because uh you know somebody goes to the event and you know in town for that and stop at runnings hey check that out support a local uh I like it. local guy see yeah, i'm all get about the ideas. Fight and get his name on the back yes. and everything that would be really cool that would be cool you could have signature events you know have them sign a bunch and yeah, it was crazy because saturday was that was the day i went over to um meet the bullfighters you know we dropped off uh, some five-gallon pails with some running stuff in it, some candy for their little locker room over there, and then a case of water. But at that same time, we also had the Pheasants Forever Banquet. So I, at one point, I ran away from the Pheasants Forever Banquet, which is awesome because it was at the hotel by the mall there in the event center. We were just minutes apart. It's like, all right, guys, I got to run over there. I'll be back in like 35 minutes. Here's my bidding number. If I win anything, <laughs> I'm 112. Just raise it up. I'll be right back. But no. And if there's you, anything you want, feel free to raise <laughs> up that number because. I was very careful not to leave my number during the live auction. Okay. Yeah. That's sometimes a, a good idea. It's smart. Kev was there. He, oh, he was in control. He could have done a lot of damage, though. <laughs> really? Kev was yeah. in control? Yeah. 
So, but no, you know, and that was a fun. The Pheasants Forever Banquet was really cool this year. We had our own table. Uh, we were a big sponsor this year. They did. They do a great job recognizing um, the people involved in that and the people supporting that. And it was really cool to get out and finally start to truly know the people behind Pheasants Forever because they helped us with that pollinator plot in right. the back of the store on the north end. So they're they're way beyond pheasants, and they're about saving saving the environment, and the ecosystem, and, and you know what what pheasants need to thrive and you know there's a big kind of little bit of a field there next to the pollinator plot you should just get them to plant that in crp and you could just have a pheasant uh, park there well like <laughs> i told you one of my neighbors uh, he's got a big backyard over on the other side of the our little development and um i ran into him last week and he was he unloading corn from runnings because he has five yep. six seven pheasants in his backyard and he's like yeah, I want him to hang around, so he's feeding the pheasants. There you go. They're fun to watch. Yeah, a little, a little Can't really hunt them nutrition. in town. But, right, uh, there you go. But taking care of them. You know, but when they're out like the window, it. they can drive the dogs nuts, and that's <laughs> kind of fun to watch, too. Oh, yeah. No, that's a good time. So we, see a bigger pollinator plot and CRP. and we, You know, and we're kind of excited. The pollinator plot should potentially look like something this year. Last year, it was very weed Looking. It was very well, tell you what, hold on, hold on that because I want to hear more about that and the, the program behind that. We're talking with Brad Ock from Running uh, Runnings. Uh, be sure to stop in 701 South Washington uh, in Bismarck. And, uh, of course, that's our running store. Not to slight Mandan or, well, we'll slight Dickinson because <laughs> you, you like slight Dickinson anyway. But uh, running's all around the, the region as well. So this is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 12. Request. To Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Super Talk 1270, you're talking to Brad Ock, General Manager at Runnings in South Bismarck, 701 South Washington. And uh, talk a little bit about the pollinator plot because you guys work with Pheasants Forever, but you had a lot of other um, community partners uh, to put this little pollinator plot in. And, and the purpose of a pollinator plot, of course, uh, pollinators. You think bees and you think birds and different insects that all pollinate and uh you know it it's it, it they don't look like much for the first year or two but then they start coming together it's kind of like planting a wildflower garden it kind of looks yeah, cool right so you know a couple of years ago we had talked about natural prairie yeah and i kind of got going with one of the pheasants forever guys about this small little pollinator plot we did at our house and well pheasants forever partners with uh, the North Dakota Game and Fish Department, and they do some of these pollinator plots around town. They do it out of town. Uh, you dedicate you dedicate space to the program, and they're going to come in. And you know, we had to till it, and we had to do kind of some of our own prep work, kill off uh, the grass we had there. But you had to be very careful because you know they're putting seeds down there, and they're putting a seed mix that is native to North Dakota. So it's a mix that's going to take. Um, and the whole point of that is to create. Well, you said a thriving community for bees, butterflies, and insects to help continue to pollinate what we do have. Because the importance of pollinators are far beyond just the beauty of butterflies and flowers and all that. But what it well, means as a big to, egg state, what it, North what Dakota it means is, to the a reason we're the number one honey industry. producer. Yes, and and bees. you've got to have space dedicated to support that community of insects and pollinators. And before we knew it. One thing led to another, and we were going on. It was a, um, it was a, it was an outdoor heritage fund, is what was set up with the North Dakota Game and Fish, 
a partnership with Pheasants Forever, and they came in in Dorothy Moses Elementary School. The third graders came in. I believe it was the third third what a graders. Great project for the kids. Yeah, they bust these kids in, and they had all these different stations. They had a animal fur station. There was an information station on bees. There was a a station where they would walk through the 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 area and each like section got to plant the seeds in a certain area and then you went to another section and you made a little bee house type thing it was just all these little hands-on crafts experience to teach these third graders about pollinators and why the pollinator plot was important and was the honey queen of north dakota there no that's actually a thing i I didn't know that until college i had a friend of mine who was a we called her Queen Bee. Uh, <laughs> she uh, uh, she was Miss North Dakota Honey Queen oh, for a year cool. in, in high school. Like I think it was a 4-H or an FFA project or something like that. But she was like this Honey Queen. It was oh, like I cool. didn't know that was a thing. Yep. But no, we had no it Honey was a thing. Queen. Okay, next yeah, year you no got to work, work on that because you it should be getting the Honey Queen there. Year three is the year we were told it's really going to start to look like something. We were warned last year about it's going to look like a field of weeds. But it's got to establish. Don't mow it. Yeah, you know, we had to wait for it to get to a certain height, and then we just mowed it down to about 12 inches. And then we got to let it rebuild this year. But it was really neat to see the hands-on from North Dakota Game and Fish educating the students on the importance of this habitat. And then to see the pheasants forever. You know, I think you, you look at pheasants forever as an organization that's just pheasants, and it's not. There's so much more. Well, all those organizations and Pheasant Forever is one of the the big ones that it's not about okay stocking birds or you know it's about the habitat. Whether it's the Mule Deer Foundation or Wild Turkey Federation or Ducks Unlimited or Delta Water, it's about habitat. Yes, and because it's- we've got native prairie that is incredible habitat for all these different species of birds and animals. But you have to maintain that. You have to know how to um, make sure that it continues to propagate. It's not just the food plots or the agriculture side. It's a combination of, and that's why we've got the great waterfowl. Mm -hmm. We've got the great upland game hunting, the large game, all of it, because it's that balance of that wild prairie, that pollinator plot, that... uh, uh, the natural grasslands that exist and the cropland and the water and we got it all. Right. And, and and they're there to educate and inform. And they do. They have a habitat assistance program. So if you if you are a member of Pheasants Forever, just go to their website. Habitat Assistance is a is a link on their main page. And you can fill that out. And there's there's four or five different sections on the application. And you can you can apply for seed distribution. They will help you with seeds. They will they will line you up with the right people and they'll make sure you plant at the right time with the right conditions and, and they're it's it's a really it was really neat for me to see it from an outside perspective of never being a hunter, and to see it from outside of the hunting world from an an environmental standpoint. It was really neat to see how involved this organization is in beyond hunting, but the preservation and the longevity and the future of not just hunting but that habitat as well. So great piece and and you know it, you don't have to be a member of pheasants forever it's if you are great uh, or any of these other organizations reach out to them if you've got some land you're willing mm-hmm. to dedicate because again 
Game and Fish is one of their big partners. They work very closely with these service organizations um, to try to make sure that it's a, a really good opportunity, whether for elementary kids and that was know, that was the that, neat that, piece. Yeah, it was really cool because that was actually one of the things they told us when they started this program is hey, like we're about educating. They're going to they're like we're going to partner with an elementary school and bring these kids in, and this is going to be an and that'll event. be ongoing year after year after year. Yeah, so we're hoping now, as you know, this year they're fourth graders. As fifth graders, we'll be able to bring them back, or as sixth graders, we'll be able to bring this group back and see. Hey, remember you guys planted this. This is where we're at now, and the long term goal is to put identity markers. Um, identifying plaques within the food plot, say this is what it is, and, and kind of have it an informational walkthrough. And, you know, some sort of, we have, oh, man, the Arboretum. Is that, that what yeah, it is? Yep. Yeah. In, By Tom O'Leary Golf Course. Yes. You know, some sort of cool little walkthrough path with a bench and notifier plaques. Like long-term goal, we're looking at making this a continued educational space, but beneficial at the same time. Yeah, these are black-eyed Susans. They're very pretty. Mm-hmm. This is poison ivy. Do not touch. <laughs> None of that in there, right? <laughs> we all, yeah. Uh, great project, but, you know, a lot... Runnings is really good about those community service projects, and that's mm-hmm. a great one. And a lot of it starts with those affiliations from different organizations. Um, if you're one of those organizations out there, how do you get Runnings on board? How do you go through the process of going, hey, we've got this great project. We'd like to do this fundraiser, or we've got this community thing. Um, yeah, How does running get, get involved? You mentioned the word of mouth stuff, but is that where it starts? Is, is there a page on the website? What, how, do people so there go, is actually, how do people reach out? Yeah, there is a community link on, on runnings.com, and, and there's an online application process, and that goes right to the community board in Marshall at our home office in Marshall, Minnesota. And they meet once a month, and they look over some of these larger donations, and they make the decision – as a group, like a, how well, what we're going to support and how we're going to support it. Because we do get asked a lot of times for some pretty high dollar donations. And they want to be part of that process. They want consistency throughout the company. So you don't have one store saying, oh, I did this. And then this store saying they didn't. But there's a lot of smaller donations. They leave 100% up to us at the store. So some of these, you know, one, $200, $300 things, just got to come talk to us at the store. I, I would always prefer, because I'll help you fill out that application if it's beyond my control. Well, and, and especially if it's beyond your control. I mean, I can imagine that board reaches back to you as the store manager going, um, so how does this fit into the community? Yeah. So in a lot of cases, you wind up being their biggest lobbyist. What does, yeah, what what does this do for the store? Like, where are you at with the store? Who is like, well, this is just, this person's in here all the time, and they're... They they tell us about these different things they're doing. They're a good customer of ours. Like, we want to support that. If it's an egg thing, it's a rodeo thing. If it's a youth thing, um, youth archery, we're very, very excited, very new, very new territory for me, archery. Uh, but it's a category that's picking up. It's, it's a sport where more kids are getting involved and more kids are really excited about archery. And what a cool activity. You're probably leaning on Kev a little bit for that one. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, as as an archer himself, he's very excited to see the youth side start to pick up and see these youth organize the Heddle Vets here in town of competing nationally and internationally in the Junior Olympics. You know, these girls started young and, and Kev supported them from almost his beginning with runnings. He supported these girls and they come in and they talk to our customers. We had a little setup last summer outside and the girls spoke about archery and what they do. And 
it's just really neat to see, you know, those we support come back in and educate our customers and inspire our customers and, and hopefully have some more of them join these activities. And of course, if it's any sort of a fundraiser where there's food involved, you're all in. I'm always Cab's in. all in. Oh, man. My favorite I'm fundraiser. I'm usually there. You know, yeah, that's just it. <laughs> Burley County 4-H did the, what was it, smoked pulled pork, brats Ooh. and hot dogs. Oh, I can't say no to that. Can't beat it. Uh, <laughs> you know, so if you're any of those uh, service organizations or something for the kids, how do they reach out to you? You know, you can you can call the store and ask for me. Or just, I always prefer face-to-face. Come on in. Ask, ask for, for me. Pretty Love simple. to hear about it. And, and some of those bigger ones uh, that do have to get filled out, go talk to you, too. Because Absolutely. Like I said, I'll help you, you do you, it. You're probably the biggest lobbyist for I'll send the email. a lot of those projects. Uh, we're talking about Brad Ock, uh, General Manager of Runnings in Bismarck, 701 South Washington. This is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. 1270. Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Bakalan with Brad Ock, General Manager of Runnings. And uh, we're talking about some of the community events that uh, they do. Of course, uh, you know, one of the things that you're involved with, the Big Muddy. And yep. this weekend, they had a team meeting. Nothing says spring like starting to talk about the Big Muddy. Getting the excitement out there. So, you know, there's 100 teams. Uh, you can have up to three people in a team. And this past Saturday was their kind of kickoff event. They set the teams for the Big Muddy. So they had 98 teams, I believe it was, came back from last year. Wow. So once you're in, you're in. You can't get booted until these other two teams didn't come back. So there were, um, can't quote me on the exact number, but it was just over 30 new teams trying to get in on Saturday. They put all those teams in a hat. They drew two. So two of those 30-some teams got wow. it. So the teams are set. Uh, it's a, That is such a cool event, too. We, you, you didn't make it this year? No. No? no okay, I, yeah, sorry. I you know, I bet they probably want me in, <laughs> you know, because I don't know what I'd be Maybe with. an alternate for somebody's team, yeah. Brad. Yeah, I go with my little, yeah. like, colliding scoping. Yeah, your Snoopy pole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go out. Kev could hook you up with that. Yeah, you know, I have I my kids all have really cool fishing poles. I can have a team of three. Exactly. You know, it's it's the spirit of trying. Yeah, you know, if you need an alternate, give Brad a call. He's yeah, I'm probably. totally in. I'll come in with my little cars pole. Oh, we'll do see, a great now job. you have those uh, PRCA jerseys, yeah. the runnings jerseys. That could be the. Team jersey for the fishing. Yes. You know, it all comes together. You got to get those jerseys. I may not do well, but I'll look good trying. (laughs) You'll look good (laughs) trying. But you know, spring around the corner with, you know, when you start talking Big Muddy, you're talking spring in the Bismarck Van Dam area. When Kev told me he was going to that, I was like, wait, oh my gosh, that's in May. He's like, yeah. First week of May, like, that's around the corner. Yes. Oh. Of course, we might have a little snow between now and then if winter decides to come back like it possibly could this week. Because I know after last year, you were very cognizant of making sure that uh, you did not run out of snow blowers. Make sure that the customers... Yeah, we haven't yet something. this year. No. Yeah, we've that, done that, very good that, at that keeping shocking. those on hand. I know. Well, one of the things, too, is you... you you're in a really good position with runnings. You don't have to have too much inventory, which can be a, a hindrance to a lot of businesses yes. um, because you've got such a great, great relationship with the vendors and a lot of the supply chain stuff you guys were able to get cleared up by now. So um, even if we would have had a winter like last year, you still wouldn't have run out. Right. So we're, we're very, we were very prepared for this year and uh, we are 
actually already starting to see the other spring goods come in. We have a lot of patio furniture coming in. We lawn and garden, soil, grass. So you're supposed to say that with an Irish accent? <laughs> the patio furniture. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bad joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, but you know, it's it's all coming in, and it's it was compared to the last few years, we have to rethink our merchandising now. We've been so there's been space. We get a truck like yes, we push it all out. Now we're getting a truck. We have to start thinking about how to push it out. There's oh, yeah. so much stuff coming in. Remember, you had a warehouse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so now we're kind of like, oh my gosh, we got a lot of stuff coming in. But it's that it's you know it's that awkward transition between winter and spring. And and as a retail store, you're always a season ahead. So we are in spring. All our spring goods are landing now, even though we're still in in the. Middle You're not putting winter. Christmas stuff out yet, though, right? No. Okay, thank all, you. I Christmas is gone. Yeah, it's all gone. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll wait till closer to We'll wait at least till June. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I'm, I'm a one season at a guy, time yeah. guy, so. But, you know, in the middle of that, now we're getting ready for the, the sports show. The sports show is Thursday. We set up on Wednesday yeah. for the sports show already. And we're doing Camco camping product. So this is really cool. We're kind of becoming a semi-superstore for Camco. We're not quite their superstore status, but we are expanding to 28 feet of high wall for Camco, which is in another 12 feet of space dedicated to Camco camping RV product. So that is what we're And in the taking. retail world, high wall means you've got a big selection of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's on the back yeah. wall. It's like a 12-foot high wall. Yeah, it's very... Not the little aisle... Not to be no, confused no. with low wall. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that that is prime real estate. When it, yeah, so, so that means you guys are a one of the top vendors. Yeah, people have been slowly coming to us over the years and asking for product, and we were finally able to pull the trigger on that and get a great Camco assortment. So we're going to bring some of that to the show this week. And you're going to be able to see what we got. The vendor sent us seven pallets of freight and there are a lot of quantities of some things we have not finished checking it in it just got in at the end of last week but he said he has some good deals he sent on that pallet list so we'll be breaking that down here today and tomorrow and usually those are really good deals because mm-hmm. they don't want any of that back no they do not in the same where if you were there last year we had this big one by two by four f- tub filled with fishing lures at crazy discounts below cost. I believe the term we use is buying friends. Bought a few of those. Yes, and so did Associates. Yeah. Yeah. But it is just, they're all the clearance stuff we have. We take another 50 to 75% off. We mark it way down. Takes a little while to ring up because that's not the price they're going to ring us. We got to mark it down more. But it's stuff we want gone. See, I, I was walking through with Wendy. I'm like, oh my gosh. look, And she's like, you have enough. <laughs> really? But at those prices, But they're you? almost free. I know. You can't There's help no it. such thing as that. I'm like, really, Wendy? Like, you have enough shoes. Come on. <laughs> it's like, I, I cut her some slack. Yeah. So but, you know, you know, it's a good time. We're very excited to be set up again this year. Really excited to be doing the Camco side of it. And really kind of show customers something they may not necessarily think about us for when it comes to RV supplies and camping needs. Great, great. Absolutely fun stuff. And you guys are setting up Wednesday. The camping show kicks off on Thursday. Thursday, Friday, Friday Saturday. Saturday. It is going to be great. Uh, make sure you stop on by. Find the runnings booth because you're going to have 
some cool stuff there. Yeah, I believe Greg Eli's prices. coming over again with the boat. Awesome. Possibly, we're not finalized, but we're you know we're pushing for it. A little running. We like boat. him. I like that. Yep. That's kind of cool. Something different. To, you know, he came in last year with the running boat, and, and it was awesome. He he does a great job, especially talking to kids, pulling them up in the boat, taking photos with them. It's really cool. So does he have one of those cool runnings jerseys? He too? also has yeah. a jersey. He's got yeah, all his sponsors the fishing on it. One, though, yeah, with yeah all it's the got sponsors. all the sponsors. You but we're nice and big one. on there. You got to get that. Uh, Brad, uh, and, and so no flyer this week. No flyer. Because you guys are kind of in that transition time right now. Yep. So when are we going to get the flyer back? Uh, there will be another one, I believe, next week. Is it next yes, week or, yes, yeah, it'll kick week. off on Friday. Valentine's. It's our Valentine's ad. What's your Valentine's flyer? Yep. Something. Oh, Candy Cove. Love the day. Oh, oh yeah. that's, chocolate. That's, yeah. Probably some beef jerky. Jerky. Oh, yeah. Jerky power Monday tools. comes back next week. Yep. <laughs> jerky and power tools. What what could go wrong with Valentine's Day? Sign me up. <laughs> Brad Hawk over at Runnings. Uh, make sure you stop in. Uh, Bismarck Runnings, 701 South Washington. Not that the other stores aren't okay, but uh, we got the cool one in Bismarck, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and they're all way cooler than Dickinson. <laughs> Sorry. Which is all right. <laughs> You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. NHL hockey action with the Minnesota Wild. Follow the Wild all season long on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 app. Talk of the Town, weekday morning starting at 9 on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 mobile app. Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union Studio.